Good morning. How is everyone doing today? All right, you can you can open up your Bible to Luke eleven twenty-eight. I'm sure that was something that I was doing wrong. Okay, Luke eleven twenty-eight, and we will uh, we'll read a verse. And then we'll pray and uh, get into our talk. Has everyone arrived at their destination? Does anyone need a Bible? I suppose we can can elevate our arms and a Bible will descend into your hand. (laughs) There you go. You can keep it up. No one else? Everyone there? Cody, you're here. I didn't see you come in. You look delightful today. That is such a nice flannel. Good for you. Good for you. Season's changing. Flannels are coming out of the closet. It's a wonderful time of the year. I am not, however, wearing a flannel, though. Scott gave me this shirt. He's not here, though. But, yeah, huge shout out. Everyone have their Bibles? Everyone ready? Okay. Luke eleven twenty eight. Um, and he replied, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. And this morning we are going to talk about obedience and hopefully it, w- it won't be too, too heavy. I'll be nice this morning. Um, and, uh, but, but before we get into that, let's, let's pray. Um, okay. Lord, thank you for this morning that you've given us. Lord, there, there are just some subjects that I so don't like to talk about. Um, this is right up there at the top of the list. It certainly wasn't my intention to do this, um, but you know, I, I suppose that this is what uh, you would have us discuss this morning. So I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, move in our midst Lord, work in our lives. And I pray, Lord, that that God, you would bring about wonderful things. Lord, through this series as a whole, where we consider you know, all these what-ifs, but with this message specifically, you know, when we consider uh, what if we simply obeyed. And uh, Lord, I trust this into your hands, I know that you are you are able. Uh, so Lord, we we ask this in your name, in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. So <clears throat> Sam, uh, Beth, and I were sitting around. We formed some sort of a brain trust. Um, and we were sitting around. Uh, it was a couple of months ago now, Beth. It was about two months ago um, on a Thursday night after a service, and Sam uh, had gathered uh, the two of us, uh, to discuss his upcoming series. And he said, okay, so I'm going to be doing this series uh, centered around this question, what if, right? And, and, and so he started laying out some of these topics that would be covered. And they were all just, you know, brilliant and exciting. And, and, and what if everybody, you know, loved? And what if everybody served? And what if everybody cared? And, and it was Beth that, that chimed in first and, and said, you know, I'd love to see something like what if everybody prayed? And it was this wonderful inspiration 
uh, that, that that happened there, and it was something that was just very practical and tangible, and and and, and it wasn't nearly as, as cerebral as some of the other concepts that we had discussed, and and so I, I immediately jumped on board, you know, trying to ride her coattails um, and appear uh, to pull my weight in the brain trust, and and I, I said, oh, okay, well. I, I, I would, you know, in that vein, it, let's do some, let's do, pull out some more topics that are just very practical, just very tangible, just very accessible, and 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 let's talk about maybe obedience. And what what if everyone just obeyed? And Sam kind of looked at me and he said, "Okay, well, how about you, you know, explain that?" And 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 so I said, "Okay, well, I I, I think that uh, obedience is an idea." That's that's prevalent in, in scripture, uh, but it, but it's faded from popularity to to obscurity uh, within the church and outside the church. It's something that's used to stigmatize Christians, who are seen as nothing more than than a people uh, that have uh, you know organized ourselves. We've amassed ourselves behind a list of do's and don'ts, and these are things that we do, and that defines us. And these are things that we don't do, and and that defines us. And 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 it would be helpful to discuss obedience in its rightful place, and in the importance of obedience in relation to Scripture, uh, because obedience is something that's all over Scripture, right? And, 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 and what would it look like if we all just obeyed God, if we all did what God told us to do, if we all did essentially what we were created to do? And Sam kind of looked at me and he said, okay, you can do that one. <laughs> and, and if I had known that, that he was going to you know, assign me my suggestion. I really could, would have come up with a better one. I would have come up with certainly an easier one. Like, you know, what if everyone hugged or something like that? You know, <laughs> and just get up here and talk for an hour about hugging people. And that'd just be super. You know, obedience is, is kind of like the, it's, it's, it's like the plague. Um, it, it certainly is about as popular as the plague. It's not talked about often in churches at all. You even Google like Christian obedience, and websites just come up and they're like, "Yeah, you know, it's in the Bible, but let's talk about like love and grace and stuff like that." That's a lot more fun than obedience. Uh, it, it's it's it, it's not a good time. So uh, I, it was difficult to to put this together. I, I say all this as a preface so that y- your standards will just go way down. And then, <laughs> and then anything that happens here today will just be like, oh, okay, that was delightful. Um, so, you know, hopefully that, that's, that's what happens. But it's, it's certainly a subject that we try to avoid. It's certainly a subject that today we're going to uh, embrace because I, it, as a church, I think we've done a really bad job uh, of rescuing and redeeming the conversation on uh, obedience and in an attempt to distance ourselves from uh, a doctrine of salvation by Morality, you know, the, this idea that was prevalent in times past in Christianity, where uh, where obedience uh, to law as a doctrine leading to you know a right standing with God was uh, presented constantly in the pulpit, and and we've we've you know had this refusal of that, and and so uh, we've essentially thrown the baby out with the bathwater. Um, in that uh, we don't discuss it nearly as often as we used to, but it's still in the scriptures, so uh, we we sort of turned a blind eye to it, and we're afraid to step into this conversation. So essentially the loudest person in the room fills the void and owns the conversation, and that's a problem. 
right? Because there are all kinds of really false, tainted ideas about obedience, things that we should discuss, things that we need to discuss. For me, that loudest person in the room was the pastor of my childhood church, and I don't think that he's atypical. I think that this is probably something that's common for many of us. I came infrequently uh, to uh, this old, stuffy building and sat in uncomfortable uh, wooden pews. And a man that was, the, the, that was made of iron and breathed fire uh, would say things that absolutely haunted my dreams. And, and, uh, and I mean that quite literally, just uh, horrifying pictures that, that he would paint of, of a God that keeps this ongoing list of infractions, great or small, that he will one day use against me to invariably condemn me because of my lack of obedience. He would pound the pulpit and, and say things like, you know, don't, don't, don't cheat in your business lest a penny pull you down to the pit of hell. I think, I don't have a business, I'm eight. <laughs> but I found a penny on the ground once and I put it in my pocket and now I'm doomed because of it. And, and he would say things like, you know, stop cursing, stop stealing, you're a filthy lot of sinners. And, and so as a 10-year-old child, I would keep a calendar in my room, and this is really sad, I didn't even intend for this confession to come out, but I've already said calendar, so you're going to be curious about what was on it. <laughs> there's a tally of all of my daily profanity. Yeah, I would keep track of it because I knew God was keeping track of it, and he would condemn me for it. And, and he would say things like, you claim to be obedient in your actions, but God knows the lust of your heart. And, and, and it was true. And he would say, this thing that you harbor in your heart will condemn you to the pit. And he would say, obey, or you will pay. And it was a horrifying thing to consider as a child, and Tony's shaking his head, yeah, because he sat under the same man. He was a scary dude. <laughs> yeah. And, and, so, and so, like Martin Luther, I, as a child, I hated God. And, and that's, that's what I want to push us into in this conversation with obedience. It's this is somewhat of a normal response to the message of obedience that's so prevalent by the loudest voices in our community. And I came to this same realization of Martin Luther before, you know, the, the, the Reformation and the thesis and all these things, that, that God, God was someone that, that was furious with me constantly. And, and, and all I knew about him was that obedience was all he wanted from me. That was it. That was the extent of what he wanted. He just wanted absolute obedience. And I thought to, and I was taught constantly to obey him the way that a wife would obey an abusive husband or the way a child would obey an aggressive bully. That you're just to fall in line or else. Right? And, and the consequences seemed cruel and extreme. 
And, and this is often the way that God is presented, thus this is often the way that God is perceived. You know, there are 613 uh, specific commandments in the Bible. Right? And amongst those is an infraction, uh, or I should say is an ordinance when you're disobedient to it. It's my infraction to not eat bacon. Right? And, and I remember as a child looking at that. You know, this is God's very word. This is God's law. And then I'm looking at bacon also. And I'm like, this is the meat of the gods. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I, I will be obedient to that, but why? Uh, I, you know, my, my fire-breathing pastor ate bacon. And, and so uh, I came into this conflict with, 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 are there some parts of the Bible that I'm supposed to listen to and other parts of the Bible that I'm supposed to ignore? And, and I think that this is a common question. It has been in every group that I've ever been a part of where it, it comes up that, you know, we should be obedient to the law. But then there's all these parts of the law that we're not obedient to. And, 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 and maybe there's just some parts that you have to be obedient to. And then some parts where God just kind of looks at us and he says, I don't really care about that. Go ahead and eat bacon. I don't, I don't know. That was I put that in there, but I don't know. Bacon's really delicious, so go ahead and eat bacon. <laughs> you know, and 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 so the, the, there's this gross conflict that that was created in me constantly, and, and to to the point where I couldn't eat breakfast without feeling some degree of guilt. I couldn't go to Red Lobster without feeling condemned because shellfish also you can't eat it. And and no one ever told me that there are essentially three parts to God's law. Right, And for those of you that, that take notes, this would maybe be a valuable thing to write down. Uh, the ceremonial law is, is all about uh, the, the feasts and the sacrifice and all these customs. Uh, and, and amongst these, these customs in the ceremonial law, you, you could put meat in, in there and different meats, not all meats. Wow, that'd be terrible. Can you imagine? God was just like nine on the meats. Good Lord. But, you know, certainly bacon and lobster... You know, uh, ceremonial law, civil law. It's uh, regarding the, the daily life and the conduct and consequences of those uh, within Israel. Uh, third, the moral law, the, the ethical nature of the law, the ethical statutes of the law that are connected to God's character. Thus, they never change. And it's impossible to keep the ceremonial law today. It, it is, it, it, so much of it is, is based on a temple system and, and we are not with a temple uh, currently and there's no need for a temple really there's no need for any sacrifice Jesus was our sacrifice the civil law is not something that we're bound by uh, that, that was binding for Israel as a nation we're bound by our nation's civil law so that falls out as well the moral law however is is still relevant and applicable and that's part of the problem, right? Because in this moment, the number was drastically reduced from 613 to you know, a far more manageable sum. But still, it's manageable enough to condemn me very effectively because I don't consistently keep uh, the, 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 the moral law of God. And so uh, at some point, I was told that I was saved by faith in Jesus and, and this, is, this is where obedience in, in our conversation is leading us because this is your experience as well, right? And you're told you're saved by Jesus through faith in Jesus, nothing more. And, and, but this is the way it seems. It seems as if there's this catch, right? And I'm going to say something that 
I don't know, might be offensive. But Sam does that all the time, so. <laughs> so I don't think that'll be a problem. <laughs> um, it, 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 you are saved by faith, right, in Jesus. You just believe in Jesus, you're saved. But then there's this, there's this catch because behind Jesus, there's this really serious guy named God, right? There's Jesus, and he's all like, you know, uh, you know, care bears and hugs. And then behind Jesus, there's God. And God is, is stoic and, and serious, and he's no fun at all, right? And, and Jesus loves me, and he saved me, supposedly. But God, God still has all these requirements for me. And before God will really let me into the club, Right, I have to. Uh, I have to manage and achieve his list. Right, and and that's the way that it seemed to me for decades, and and because I couldn't. I couldn't live up to the list, I, fell away, for nearly a decade. Uh, and so I read a text like this that we began with this morning, uh, Luke eleven, and it says that uh, obedience is a blessing. And to many of you, that's something that you're willing to accept in church. But in life, you know practically and tangibly and daily that it doesn't seem that way. It seems like a burden. Because Jesus is your friend and he loves you and he saved you, but God is not your friend. And he has this list of do's and don'ts for you. And you feel condemned constantly because you don't live up to that list. And while this duality doesn't exist biblically, it doesn't exist in God specifically. It does exist often in our presentation of him. So I want to redeem obedience from this false assumption. The first thing that I'm going to say about biblical obedience is this. You are not saved by your obedience to God. And here's a verse that you can write down to back that up. Ephesians 2.8. You can turn there if you're fingers are, are fast. Ephesians 2.8 proves that you're not saved by your obedience to God. And that should make some of you really happy. right? And burdens should already be coming off your shoulders incrementally. Ephesians 2.8 says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And listen, this is the great part. And this not from yourselves. It's a gift from God. I love that not of yourselves bit in there. It takes anything that you can do obediently out of the equation. It's all gone. You are not saved by your obedience um, to God. But I'm going to go a step further. Obedience to God does not make God happier with you or make him love you anymore. It really doesn't. And for some of us, this is the whole point of what we thought obedience was all about. I do this, and God's just going to be—he's going to be super happy with me. He's going to love me more, you know. Just that, and that's what we've been clinging to. But God cannot love you anymore. He already loves you perfectly. Right, Jeremiah thirty-one three. You can turn there quickly if you so desire. Jeremiah thirty-one three says, "I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with my or with unfailing kindness." And if you couple that with Romans 8, 
You can turn there quickly if you so desire. In verse 38, Paul says, Neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, nor things uh, the present or the future, nor any powers, height or depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. His love for us is eternal and unshakable. Right? And it's perfect. If God could love you more, then that would mean that the love that he has for you already is imperfect, that it's flawed. His love is constant and steady. So if obedience doesn't save you, if it doesn't cause God to love you, then what's the point of it? Right? Have you ever really drilled down to the bedrock of this question? So why, why is obedience so important to God? Right? Obedience is all about choice. Right, we're going to spend a little bit of time here, then, then we're going to move on so that I can talk about Miles. <laughs> because it's getting tense and you're all kind of looking at me like I might be a heretic, but you're willing to go along on a journey. <laughs> Obedience is all about choice, right? And every choice has consequences. And we can see the choices because they're in front of us. And we assume the consequences. And they, 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 we hope that they're positive consequences, but we really don't know. But God, in a moment, sees the choice and the consequences perfectly. His perspective is simply different than ours. And, and so you see, obedience and obedience isn't about us making God happy. It's really about God trying to make us happy. And let me tell you, that, this, this realization, this singular thought was paradigm shifting for me. Everything turned in my relationship to God in a moment on this one concept. That it has nothing to do with me making an angry God happy with me. It has everything to do with this God that already loves me, wanting the best for me. And that's what this text is all about. And in Luke eleven twenty eight, where he says that, that you will be blessed by obedience. Blessed simply means divinely happy. That this is the effect of obedience for you. This is what God desires for you. Obedience is about a God that knows all and a God that sees all guiding us through the darkness to keep us from hurting ourselves and hurting others. And when you realize that, obey, it, it's no longer an ugly four-letter word. Right? Which most of the time it really is. And it's an extension of God's care for us. It's his outstretched arm to us. You know, the, this whole idea was really uh, crystallized for me when I met Miles. See, I told you I was going there. I'm there. So now I feel comfortable. <clears throat> it's only increased in, in recent history. Uh, he is as stubborn and willful as his old man. Right? When, when I was a kid, my mom 
uh, when we would get into arguments, she, and I would refuse to admit that I was wrong, she used to say to me, um, you, you know, you, you need to just, you need to have a concession built into this conversation. There's, there's nothing, you're not willing to give on any point. You're, you need to admit that you're not 100% right. And I would say things like this, and this is, this is actually what I said as a 14-year-old boy. And now working with teenagers for years, I look at that statement and I go, how dumb and arrogant was I? But, but I would say, mom, if I was wrong, I wouldn't be arguing with you. The very fact that we're having this conversation should cause you to question your position. That's, that's, that's really what I would say, because I was so sure that everything that I was saying was right, that I knew it all. And if Miles could articulate his thoughts, he would say exactly the same thing to me. He already has that bit of my personality that's horrifying to think about. He, he's got this very cognizant disobedience where, where he, I'll, I'll be changing his diaper and, and I'll put him down and, and you know, I'll be taking off his diaper and everything and, and, and he'll look at me and, and I can just see it. And it's, it's coming over him. It's like a tide. You know, it's about to crash on the shores of my existence. And, and, and the minute the diaper will come off, he'll flip over and he'll scuttle away like a termite that just saw the light of day. You know, and he'll just be all over the place and I'll be trying to grab him and pull him back. And, and, and the, the one thing that he, he, he knows to do, he does so often, he just looks at me and he just starts vehemently disagreeing with me. You know, and he's shaking his head and just, no, no, I won't do it. Everything that you're doing is wrong. Stop doing what you're doing, <clears throat> you know. And 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 it's, he, he, he's, he you know he's, he's looking at me, and if he could put words to it, he he would say, you know, this this is my life, and just let me live my life the way I want to live it. You don't know what's best for me. Don't pretend like you think you know what's best for me. I'm a half naked termite, and this is the way I want to live my life, <laughs> you know. And <laughs> and it's terrible. And and there are these days. There are these days that I spend with him and, and he hasn't napped or eaten for far too long and, and I know that he needs to, but he won't. And, and he screams at me, right? And, and, and I, I, can, I can just just imagine what's going on inside of his mind. You know, how dare you feed me? And, and, and how dare you uh, try and give me rest. You, you know, and, and the, the, there comes a point uh, where, where I just simply say, I'm, 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 not going to, I'm, I'm not going to force you to eat. I'm, I'm not going to force you to sleep. But you know, when I don't force you to eat, you will hunger, right? And when I don't force you to sleep, you, you, will, you will tire. And when you do, you will be uncomfortable and you will be unhappy. And I'm trying to save you from that because I love you. Right? But, but the way that the church has presented obedience in the past, it, is, it leads us to one of two conclusions. Right? We are, we are the, the, the child in the high chair. Right? And, and we're shaking our heads and, and adamantly disobeying. And, and our furious father 
throws down the spoon and says, you're not going to eat? Fine. And he walks out of the room and never returns. And that's the way we present obedience to the world. That's the way we present God to the world. Or, or it, it, it puts us in the high chair and, and, and we eat up every last bit of food and, and, and artificially smile and then compliantly jump into bed and, and feign sleeping with one eye open, watching God and, and whispering to him and saying, do you love me now? I did everything you wanted me to do. Please love me now. Please stay by my side. And both conclusions are so fundamentally wrong. And both uh, just so terribly break my heart to even consider. And I can imagine God as our father looking at us his sons and daughters saying, I loved you before you did all of those things. I will love you even if you don't do any of those things. I love you, period. I love you because you are my very own. You are my son. You are my daughter. And it's never been about what you do. It's always been about who you are. You are the object of my affection. Right? When Miles eats before he's starving and fussy, that's awesome. And I know it's awesome for him. That's why I want him to do it. Right? So that he has more energy to, to play and enjoy himself. When he, when he takes his nap you know, during the day or his naps during the day, all right, that's awesome for him. And I know that's awesome for him. That's why I tell him to do it. He doesn't spend his evening hysterically crying and hating his life. And there is a quality to God that simply knows best, right? And that's why he says these things, because they're for us, for our blessing, for our divinely imparted happiness. He doesn't say this to bum us out. He says it to bless us. It's an extension of his fatherly love for us. But I have to move on from here because... Uh, there, there's a bit more that I would like to talk about. I essentially haven't even touched on the point of this whole series, um, because, <laughs> right, which would be a mistake. Sam would be upset with me, um, because the whole point of this series is, you know, what if we all obeyed, right? And and th- there's this quality to obedience that where where God uh, knows all and He sees all and He's guiding us through the darkness so that we don't hurt others, or hurt ourselves, but also to keep us blessed and to make us a blessing. This is one that I do want you to turn to. Uh, Genesis 22:18. Genesis 22:18. 
I want you to highlight this in your Bible. Uh, really think about it when you get home. That This verse will destroy you in the best way possible. Genesis 22:18 says, "And through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me." I want you to take a while to, to digest the scope and magnitude right of this verse and realize that this is a verse that really isn't just for Abraham, Abraham, that it expresses a principle that's timeless and eternal. Right? That God told Abraham to leave, or, and it was difficult. But Abraham obeyed, and God blessed him. Right? God told Abraham to to wait and they were going to have this child even in their advanced age and and that was difficult and they even messed up they didn't let their their mistake define them they got back on course they were obedient and god blessed them and day after day decision after decision great or small it was their choice right but it was never a choice that affected only them. Because that's just not the nature of obedience. It's not the nature of our decisions. Every decision was a stone cast in the world's ocean. Abraham lived his entire life oblivious to this. And he could have died a very elderly, happy man, never knowing it. But God, for whatever reason pulled back the curtain for a moment and gave him this this glimpse and and gives us this glimpse. And he says, Abraham, here's the truth of it. Every single human that ever sets foot on this planet will be blessed because of you. You I think so often when we pray, we go, you know, God bless this person. God do this thing. And God points the finger back at us. And he says, no, you bless them. You bless them by your obedience. That's the pattern that I've established. It goes all the way back to Abraham. This is what I want you to do. Right? That you have the capacity to affect and influence the lives of billions of people through your obedience. Abraham saw his wildest dreams come true. What were his wildest dreams? He'd have a baby, begin a nation, and that's the problem. Our wildest dreams are so far inferior to what God really wants to accomplish through our obedience. God has this greater, more wonderful, cosmic plan, and he'd say, that's great, a baby, Oh, that's great, a nation. How about the entire world? How about the entire world is blessed because of you? Because of you. Because of your choice, your obedience. And this is how he does it. He does it through obedience. When we listen to him 
and follow him. Every moment of obedience to him is the same stone cast into the same ocean and spreads ripples exactly the same way, blessing all those around us just as it did in Abraham's day. So what if everyone obeyed? It's Sam's question, and I think it's a really good one. Let's think about that for a moment. What if everyone obeyed? I think prisons would close overnight. Right? They would go out of use. I think we'd all be able to leave our doors unlocked at night again. And I say again, not because I, I like grew up in the 50s when that was a common thing to do. I say that because in high school, I did that every night. I left my car door unlocked until one day I woke up and my car was, was robbed. <laughs> and uh, when the police came, they said, how did that happen? I said, I basically invited them to do that. <laughs> it, was, it was my decision. <laughs> uh, car accidents would disappear immediately. Addiction would be no more. All right, the poor would be cared for. The hungry would be fed. The lonely would be comforted. What if everyone obeyed? I think young ladies would, would stop cutting themselves and abusing themselves they would they would stop responding in this detrimental way to the damning comments of others. I think uh, boys would see the value of treasuring a girl's purity and guarding their virtue. I think children would know what it's like to have a father that comes home to help them with their homework and tuck them in to bed at night. Husbands would love their wives. Wives would respect their husbands. I'll reverse the order of that if you need me to. I don't think I don't think I'm a heretic for doing so. Husbands would respect their wives. Wives would love their husbands. And children would see that. And children would reflect that. The world would come to know that. And then, and then through your offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you chose to obey. Right? Because I chose to obey because we chose simply to obey. And it starts with us, every single one of us. We know what God has already told us to do. And sometimes it's in black and white, or in this case in red, printed on a page. And it's very concrete, and you can see it, right? And some of us, that, that's, that's where it starts, right? And, and maybe you came here today and... <clears throat> And, and you were thinking about like stealing Mary's car or something <laughs> after after the service because she's got that new truck and it's gorgeous and um, 
and but but you you were like it's obedience week so I'll wait till they talk about forgiveness and then I'll just steal it and repent after. <laughs> it's, for some of us, that's, that's, that's where you're at and that's what you need to be obedient to. But I think the majority of us, that's not the case. I think most of us, we it's something impressing upon our heart. It's not written on a page. It's a whisper in our ear. And you know that you should be obedient to it, but you're finding it difficult to be obedient to it. As difficult as it might have been for Abraham to leave, you know, Ur, you know, and and it's not disobedience the way you're responding. Maybe you're just hoping that it'll take care of itself, or maybe it'll just happen on its own, and you could just kind of ignore it for a while. You know, the the way that I, I acted with youth ministry for such a long time. It's like, maybe that'll just happen, right? It's just one day I'll come to Genesis and youth ministry. But that's, that's not the way that it happens. You will be blessed when you obey, right? When you obediently step into what God has for you and what he's calling you to, what he's putting upon your heart. God isn't a bully. He's not twisting your arm. He's not stripping you of your free will. He loves you every day, and he'll love you into eternity if you never do it. But here's the question. What if you did it? What if you actually did it? What if that thing that God is putting on your heart, what if that thing that he's setting before you, what if that person that's popping into your mind, what if that conversation that's impressing upon your heart, what if that community that you'd like to see impacted, what if you were actually obedient to that? What would the world look like if we all just obeyed. I think that we would never see the end of the ripples, right? We'd never see the end of all the blessings. Right? It'd be a wonderful thing. Before these children murder each other, let's go ahead and pray. <laughs> Most gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for our time together. Lord, I, I thank you that we can see and understand, Lord, the heart behind obedience, that it's not with a heavy hand that you come with us. It's with a loving heart. That you want what's best for us, that you're a father that so loves us. Lord, you, you want to impact the world through us? Or do you want to bless us, make us divinely happy, but you don't want it to end there? Lord, your heart is for every human alive on this planet. And if we simply obeyed, they would all be impacted. 
I pray, God, that we would not ignore your voice. Lord, that we would heed your word, that we'd follow you closely. And Lord, that we would see you move in our midst miraculously because that's exactly what you desire to do today. I thank you. I praise you. I ask God your blessing upon all these people. In your name, amen. 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 God bless you.